straight up the play. I'ma make a move. Before the first beer of the tailgate is cracked, before the fans swarm the stands, and before the Hawkeyes take the field, KGYM Sports Radio breaks down this weekend's Iowa football game. This is Before the Boom. Before the Boom. Here's your host, Spencer Wagan. Back for another edition of the Before the Boom podcast from KGYM. Boy, this place looks nice, doesn't it, guys? I can see you. Yeah, yeah, we can see everybody. <laughs> we're, we're one big happy family. We're back in the real Circus Sports Iowa studio for this week's edition of the podcast. If you are listening audio version only, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you are uh, watching uh, on Facebook, uh, the KGYM Facebook page, you're realizing, hey, that looks similar but different. <laughs> That's our studio upgrades, at least for now, are, are complete. We thank the uh, uh, engineering folks, this great staff, Tucker, Chris Jackson, all the folks that uh, made things possible and helping us transition over there and come back over here. Uh, still work to be done, but we are uh, getting things done here on the southwest side of Cedar Rapids. Back here, once again, Spencer Wagan, my name, host of Spencer on Sports, weekdays from 2 until 3 here on KGYM. Scott Unash and Mark Dukes across the way from me, hosts of the gym class, weekdays from 3 until 4. And then to my right, with the hat on his head, Todd Bromelkamp, one half of the Todd Bromelkamp Show with Alex Kuhn, who heard weekdays from 4 until 6 here on KGYM. Still time for you to avoid uh, eating of that hat. Fingers crossed. We took a step <laughs> forward last week with the victory against Northwestern. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing it up until it uh, until it either happens or it doesn't happen. But uh, we are here uh, convening for our weekly look at uh, Iowa football and let's start with that game against Northwestern. Guys, a 20-point victory. Could have been a little bit bigger victory, but Northwestern, you know, just had to go and score on the final play of the game, those cats. But uh, overall, lots of positives you can uh, you can take away from this game. It's a win, first of all, a much-needed victory. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if, if you guys have kind of felt this way about this when you look back on what happened last Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. You beat Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Who's now one and seven on the season, guys? Uh, your your key takeaways from last week and the win over the Cats. Well, I think it is tempered. You got to be tempered in the fact uh, that Northwestern is not very good, but Iowa's offense hasn't been very good either. And whether it was the line shakeup or um, just better execution, uh, I thought Brian Ferentz called one of his better games in a while, maybe because things worked. I don't know, but uh, it was something that Iowa fans had wanted to see for a while. The defense was still very strong. Northwestern scores against the second team mm-hmm. um, uh, on the last play of the game, but um, uh, very good win. But I think my thoughts are kind of tempered right now and until the last four weeks play out. Well, I said iron sharpens iron, and Iowa had, yes, the offensive line was pretty bad. But they were going up against pretty good defenses. And I think they learned a lot going up against those defenses. Showed that against Northwestern. Now, as Mark said, Northwestern's not a good football team. That's a bad football team. We're going to find out more, I think, coming up this week. Because Purdue's defense, I think, is a little bit underrated. Um, It's not on the same level as Michigan. It doesn't have the athletes of Ohio State. Uh, it doesn't have the, I think the the moxie of Illinois that they have this year, but it is a it is a defense that isn't bad. Can Iowa win the battle in the trenches, especially on a day that might not be uh, quite ideal? Todd, you were there in Iowa City. What'd you see? 
Well, I think it's a example. Remember the argument about is the dress black or is it purple or whatever that was on blue, the internet? Blue, a blue or yellow? Years ago. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I think that's the, that was the Northwestern game. I mean, if you want to see progress and things to be excited about, then it's one color. And if you want to see some of the issues that have plagued the team, or if you want to look at Northwestern's record, I mean, they should be winless. Yes. If not mm-hmm. for the onside kick in Ireland. Thank you, Scott Frost. So, what I saw was an offensive line that did they look good, or was it the fact that Northwestern is Northwestern? Mm-hmm. I can't tell you. I don't know. But they did their job against Northwestern, mm-hmm. and if they do their job against Purdue, they're going to have an opportunity to win this game on Saturday because as Scott alluded to, I think Mother Nature <laughs> is probably going to be the MVP for whatever team winds up winning. We'll dive into the weather forecast in West Lafayette uh, in a little bit, but I saw just one piece of it when I was looking at it before we recorded the podcast this week. Wind gusts as high as 48 miles an hour across the prairies of what northwestern Indiana, if I know my Indiana geography correctly. I feel bad for any of the schmucks who are sitting in the mm. stands at ross Aid <laughs> Stadium on Saturday. Is, that, is, that, is there someone in this in this room that might be sitting in there the stands? There are all the games to go to. The first time, my buddies, first time I get to tailgate and uh, act like a human being in 20-plus years. Did you read and the rules and regulations, by be, the way? Mm. Their rule, they don't tailgate in West Lafayette. (laughs) No, they go to the basketball scrimmage. It's terrible, but we might be hanging out in the car or something until kickoff. I don't know. Tickets will be cheap, hopefully. Go Go to Triple X. Maybe. I've only spent two nights in, nothing against West Lafayette, but I've spent two nights there uh, on my way through to see family a couple of Thanksgivings ago. And I Your geography is correct, by recommend the way. recommend Northwest Indiana. Getting getting into the, the first night down, and I don't want this to be, you know, Spencer's Travel Show, the two minute feature on KGYM. Well, we already whatever. got Jim Cantori booked for later. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, we do have Rudy Max, right? Isn't he the travel guy? <laughs> Max's travel. We, we got in, there was like traffic jam. We got through Chicago a decent time. And then, of course, we get like two miles outside of West Lafayette, run into like, you know how traffic, like there's two lanes and then people in the left lane come up on construction and then in like nobody knows how to merge into lanes. We were like a mile outside West Lafayette, away from the hotel. And we were stuck there for like 45 minutes because people could not <laughs> figure out construction. But that's another show. That's another podcast. Back to back to football here. When you look at the game, uh, the Northwestern game, 20-point uh, victory, Let's go. Let's go to the offense. Uh, and Mark, you you alluded to the Iowa offense. We've talked about it all year. Has struggled, and this was a season high in points uh, with thirty three. Season high in total yards with three hundred ninety eight. Spencer Petras playing his best game uh, on Saturday too. Twenty one of thirty, two hundred twenty yards, threw a touchdown pass, also ran for a score, but was only sacked once. Mark, you talk about the offensive line and the changes that the Hawkeyes made going into the game. Improvement was there. Uh, whether you want to say, well, it was just Northwestern or not, the improvement was there. And now I think for Iowa, the key is to, hey, take what we did against Northwestern and go into these four games uh, that are left. And guys, I know we've said this over and over again, but they're all very winnable games. And if Iowa plays like they did against Northwestern, I think they can they can easily uh, easily take care of some business here down the stretch. Now, are they going to win every one of these games? I don't think so, but... Uh, some opportunities for for growth here for this Iowa team. Anytime a quarterback, and and this is not breaking any ground, anytime a quarterback has time, he should be effective. And Peterson was on fire in the first half. Not the super difficult throws, 
by and large, but 14 out of 18 for 140 yards. That's been a, a pretty good game for him uh, this year and, and others, but um, uh, that started things. And then the running game opened up. Caleb Johnson, I thought, <clears throat> I think he's their best running back, although Gavin Williams can give him some uh, um, production out of uh, uh, the backfield as well, but um, it, it was about the protection. Uh, it was about the line of scrimmage. It was about giving Petrus time to operate. Caleb Johnson's, I think that might be the coming out game for Caleb Johnson. Um, it's no secret Iowa's got to run the ball to be effective. And when they started running the ball a little bit, winning in the trenches, that got uh, the offense opened up a little bit, even though they didn't go downfield a whole lot, if any. Uh, but it was controlled passes, and Spencer Peaches looked very, very good. But can Caleb Johnson run the ball again today? That's or uh, Saturday. That's going to be the big thing. Uh, I think he's firmly taken over as the number one back uh, as far as this uh, running back room is concerned. Gavin Williams is now the, basically the third down back, and LaShawn Williams comes in every once in a while. But this is Caleb Johnson's backfield now as a freshman, and uh, he tries to become the uh, uh, to overtake Greg Stokes as the greatest Hawkeye to come out of Hamilton, Ohio. <laughs> That's going to be a very, very tall task. Todd, your thoughts on the running game? Obviously, we talk about the weather. We got Jim Cantori waiting in the wings. Apparently, uh, it's going to be key here uh, Saturday if that forecast for West Lafayette is uh, remains true. Yeah, if it's accurate, and you know, we're sitting here on Thursday looking at thirty-five to forty mile an hour winds and and a good chance of rain. The rain they can handle. The it, the wind is going yep. to affect the passing game, which I think is going to help Iowa. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the running game I think is going to be a big key, and they do seem to be. Rounding into their own, and talked to Jack Plum a little bit on Tuesday, and they took some pride in in the game against Northwestern. And and here we sit in November. Kirk Ferentz's teams looking like they're improving. We've seen this before, right? I mean, it was mm-hmm. just the offense has been so bad this year that I I just didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. They can win these games. They can lose these games. If they're going to win them, they're going to they're need to run the ball. And they're going to need to run the ball effectively on Saturday in West Lafayette in order to win that game. Caleb Johnson, 14 carries for 93 yards in the game against Northwestern on Saturday. You look at the flip side, and uh, a really good running back for Northwestern in both uh, the running attack and the, and the receiving attack with Evan Hull. Iowa defense, I mean, you know, we, we talk about the issues on offense, but we, you know, maybe kind of glance over how good this defense has been continually throughout the season. Held Evan Hull to 11 carries for 32 yards uh, in that game uh, and uh, was held uh, under uh, under 100 yards receiving as well. Uh, that was the key to stop Northwestern, uh, uh, keeping Evan Hull in check. Don't let them, don't let him beat you, essentially. And the Iowa defense did that. Uh, not to mention seven sacks from seven different players uh, against a Northwestern offensive line that has a first-round talent. I'm seeing these big boards uh, this week from Mel Kuyper and <laughs> all the all the draft experts uh, saying Peter Skaronski is going to be a, a top uh, maybe top 15, top 10 pick in the NFL draft, and Iowa defense just blown right by him. So, uh, kudos to the defense for doing what they had to do. Uh, and uh, and keeping Northwestern at bay, uh, and now uh, facing another challenge with this Purdue uh, this Purdue offense. Although 
the weather is uh, the great equalizer. Guys, any thoughts on uh, how the defense performed on Saturday? Uh, this is why Iowa has a chance to win every game. Yep. Save Ohio State, I guess. But going forward, this is why Iowa has a chance in every game. Uh, it's an incumbent on the offense to do its part as well. I couldn't agree more with Todd on the weather. Not because Iowa's going to be able to run the ball, because Purdue has, I think, a top-20 rushing defense. Yes. <clears throat> They're susceptible in the secondary. But it's going to affect Purdue's passing game big time. And I guess whoever's going to run the ball, if this weather holds true, is going to win the game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, the seven sacks were pretty impressive. Uh, and they beat the number one guy mm-hmm. uh, a couple yeah. of times, uh, including our man Ethan Herkett from uh, Cedar Rapids <laughs> Xavier, who uh, you know did a great job getting around him on a on a speed rush there. But uh, the Iowa Iowa defense just keeps on churning out great performances, and uh, it's great to see. Uh, linebackers are very very good. Hull only getting just a little bit over thirty yards big factor uh, as far as that game. I mean, he's Northwestern's only weapon. Iowa shut him down, and Northwestern wasn't going to do anything. I don't think they had a chance to win that game anyway, but, right, yeah, that really solidified things. They, uh, You look at how the game played out, not only did they score in the last play of the game, but their only touchdown in the game was set up by Tory Taylor at a 12-yard punt. <laughs> the, the announcers on ESPN even said they iced their own punter by not using him in the game. Uh, and you know, and it's great to see Drew Stevens too. Don't want to overlook his performance, the Big Ten freshman of the week, including a 54-yard field goal, part of the four he made uh, on the day uh, last Saturday against the Wildcats. But Tory Taylor doesn't have uh, his, his his worst punt of the year. Uh, and Northwestern doesn't score in the final play of the game. I think we're. Uh, I know Todd, you said there was a shutout possible last week, and I think if you take those two uh, those two plays away, uh, the bad punt and then the score in the last play of the game, maybe Iowa shuts them out, which is uh, even better for this defense. Uh, any any final thoughts from Northwestern before we dive on into Purdue? Because there's you know, quite a few storylines with this matchup. Obviously, any final takeaways from uh, the game against the Wildcats? Uh, I've, I've said before, and I think. Uh, you guys would agree with me. This is a spark and an opportunity for this team to to win some games here. Do I think they're going to win every single game uh, on this on the stretch here? No, but you just got to win two more to get to uh, that uh, that six and six number and uh, get to a bowl game. You know, I said Saturday night after the game was over and talking to the players and getting back up to the press box that uh, what a difference a win makes. And you can say, yeah, it's just Northwestern. Mark Grace, the uh, former first baseman, used to talk about slump busters every once in a while. And I think Northwestern may have been a little bit of a slump buster for Iowa. And, and not the greatest team in the world, but Iowa just needed to go out and win a football game and and look good doing it. And we talked about Spencer Petrus already and how good he looked, especially in the first half. I, I think he had confidence. I think the offensive line had confidence. The defense is is dripping with it this season. So slump buster out of the way, and now four teams in front of you that aren't as bad as Northwestern. They're certainly not as good as Ohio State. All winnable games here. Let's see what the Hawkeyes can do moving forward. It was a confidence builder uh, at a minimum, plain and simple. And I think the coaches can go in uh, or went in uh, this week and said, here's what we've been talking about. And point to a lot of good things that happen, whether it's the blocking, or uh, or, or the play calling, whatever. Um, 
I thought the jet sweep was really effective, whether they gave the ball to anybody or not. Mm-hmm. But it moved the defense. Right. And I'd like to see a little bit more of that. But bottom line, confidence builder. Indeed. Move on to Purdue. I sound like Belichick, right? <laughs> it's on to, it's on on to Purdue. Purdue. It's on to Purdue. Uh, the uh, Boilermakers at Hawkeyes will meet in uh, West Lafayette. Uh, this has been a series that Purdue has owned since uh, Jeff Brown has arrived in West Lafayette. Uh, you look at uh, back to 2017, the Anthony Mahangu game. Are we remembering some Boilermakers here? I think we are. Uh, that was a 24-15 win at Kinnick Stadium, a 38-36 shootout in 2018. Hawkeyes won in 2019, 26-20, and then uh, the 24-20 game to uh, uh, kick off the shortened COVID season uh, then in October of 2020. And then last year, uh, we all know what happened with David Bell basically walking himself into a third-round uh, third round draft selection <laughs> with that performance in Iowa City as uh, the Boilermakers knocked off the... Uh, the uh, second-ranked Hawkeyes uh, last season uh, in front of the homecoming crowd at Kinnick Stadium. Guys, what is it about Purdue that has been the thorn in the side, and how do the Hawkeyes change it, in your opinion? Well, the, the reason there have been a thorn in the side of Iowa is, uh, I mean, you can go back two decades, um, whether it's Norm Parker or Phil Parker. Iowa's always had a problem with spread offenses that like to go to the slot, get slot guys on linebackers, Things haven't changed over the years, and those type of teams give Iowa fits. And Purdue is one of those teams. I mean, that's their bread and butter. They throw the ball. They throw first. They run to set up the throw. Uh, it's a different situation. Uh, it's a 180 from what Iowa does. And, you know, that's just there's always seemingly one team that is the thorn in the side, uh, no matter if it's a, an SEC team, I mean, Iowa State, whatever the case may be. There's always one team and one program that gives you fits, and it seems for Iowa, it's Purdue. You're in and you're out. I think it's a scheme, but it's also the players. I mean, you can go back to, you know, uh, you talk about David Bell being a thrown in the Iowa side for three, four years, and go back to Rondale Moore and others mm-hmm. that fit the scheme. Charlie Jones now fits the scheme, <laughs> right? And he's done very well at it. And Brahm is a, a, a sharp offensive cookie and it's going to take a, a great effort and great scheme for Phil Parker in that defense um, I mean, to be successful. I, Iowa had a guy named Charlie Jones. Yeah. That's, what happened what a, to him? They, they had Chuck Sizzle yeah. you see. <laughs> Iowa had Charlie Jones. They should, they should, Iowa should really look into getting this Charlie Jones guy. And, you know I talked with Kayvon Merriweather <laughs> on Tuesday in Iowa. So I don't want to put words into his mouth but basically to, to paraphrase it's if you're going up against a, another team's offense, maybe there's two or three ways that a play, a certain play, can develop. But you go up against Purdue, and there's five or six ways. It just they have a way of of receivers can run, uh, you know, a two yard route or a four yard route, and it just changes the complexity of everything. It's a very complex offense to try to figure out how to defend. And if you look back, especially against David Bell. Iowa sat back in a lot of its base defense. And I, you can bend and not break against a lot of teams. I think you can bend and not break against Purdue. But you can't bend and not break against elite talent. And mm-hmm. David Bell was an elite talent, and he basically single-handedly owned Iowa. Good news for the Hawkeyes. No David Bell on Saturday. But the bad news... 
potentially Charlie Jones. Now, we talked about the weather, and that's probably going to impact the Purdue's passing game uh, largely uh, in this contest. Aiden O'Connell, too, uh, possibly uh, looking to... He's not possibly. He is looking to bounce back from a, a rough game against Wisconsin. They had their bye week last week, and then two games ago, or two weeks ago, I should say, against Wisconsin. 31 of 46 for 320 yards, one touchdown, but three picks, yeah. including two to the same guy. So that shows that uh, he is not. Uh, not uh, mistake free, and if uh, you're able to uh, get some turnovers off of him, uh, especially if you're the Iowa defense, uh, that is uh, that is uh, you know it's, it's been a key throughout this entire uh, run we've seen over the last couple of years. But uh, if you can uh, you can uh, get those turnovers and force those turnovers, uh, Iowa's got a pretty good chance uh, to to uh, win this football game. I want to talk about Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy, and I just want to get your guys' thoughts. Are are we making too much of this? Uh, Jeff Brom said earlier this week, he had his Monday news conference, he, he said this really isn't a big deal around here. Uh, the question he was posed was, hey, uh, you know, do you have a special message for Charlie and Tyrone? Is there a message to your team? You know, are they extra motivated? You know, what, what's, the, what's the pulse of, of this, uh, this kind of storyline? And Jeff Brom's like, it's not really all that big a deal. And the comment he made, and I agree with him, is you're going to see this more and more especially with the transfer portal and NIL and stuff like that. Like it or not, that's what's going to happen. Uh, and, and I think he's right uh, there uh, with that. You're going to see inter, inter-conference, inter-division transfers, and it's going to become more common as we continue down this road. But is it, are we reading too much into this? Is this kind of a is – is this a big deal? Is it not that big a deal? What are your guys' thoughts it's about an, the, the storyline? It's a natural storyline. Um Todd, you saying you talked to Kayvon Merriweather. I think he said was asked, and what happens when Charlie Jones comes over the middle? You're gonna give him a little love tap? Is that right, Todd? Uh, I think yeah. It was <laughs> tongue firmly planted in cheek. Riley Moss, I think, was the one that said he will do what he's allowed to do within the letter of the rule book when it comes to tackling. <laughs> it was interesting because some of the guys still keep in touch. We found out Spencer Petrus talks or texts with Charlie Jones. Weekly, yeah, and they've been in contact this week. Uh, there were some other teammates that were like out of sight, out of mind. Haven't talked with uh, guys now. Mm-hmm. I think Kayvon said he still keeps in touch with with Tyrone Tracy. You get Tyrone Tracy's an Indiana guy, right? Going to Purdue to be, and then Charlie Jones with his ties with Aiden O'Connell. I don't think there's anything too nefarious here, but I also think that it's going to make things interesting on a number of levels. I think the defense is. Charlie Jones is a marked man yeah. on Saturday. There's no doubt about that after being in Iowa City on Tuesday and talking to those guys. I think it gives you an opportunity to have a game be gamesmanship a little bit. And Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy, they're, they're going to know Iowa's play calls and how Iowa lines up. And, I, of course, Iowa's changing things around. But I could see them sort of putting the cheese in the mouse trap, so to speak, <laughs> and putting something out there that looks like something that those guys would be familiar with, and then maybe there's some sort of wrinkle that Purdue wouldn't be expecting. Now, you'd have to be a creative, outside-the-box play caller in order to do that, and I don't know whether or not Iowa's going to resort to that, especially with the weather conditions, but it certainly it adds to this, to this game. It gives a storyline. It gives fans something to talk about gives the players something to talk about 
and Kirk Ferentz even on Tuesday. I don't think there's any ill will there, but you got the sense in listening to what he said. He didn't like the timing. And you know, Charlie Jones went through spring practices with right. Iowa. Yeah. And then after the spring, decided that he was going to go try to you know, put some film together for the NFL teams. He wants to be a wide receiver in the NFL. He made the right choice. Right. Yeah, let's hear that clip from Kirk Ferentz, uh, his comments on, on Charlie Jones from Tuesday in Iowa City. Well, he obviously, just look at the stats, he's playing well. He's a good football player, so that doesn't surprise us at all. Um, surprise probably a strong word because you just don't. I, th- I think, you know, the way f- college football is evolving right now, if you're surprised by much that happens in terms of uh, player movement and those types of things, you know, probably shame on you there. Um, maybe, you know, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but the, the timing. You know, to me, if you would think a guy, if he's going to leave a program, he'd do it back in the winter time, so he could get somewhere, get get there, and uh, you know, go through the spring practice and start learning the offense, that type of thing, and also their system, and then also get to know his teammates. But it doesn't seem like it's affected him. He's playing really well right now, and he's a good football player. And you know, we're going to have to do try to do a good job of defending him on on defense, and then also, you know, the special teams aspect. Kirk Ferentz, Tuesday in Iowa City. You're absolutely right, Todd. Yeah. You know, he understands, I think he's coming to understand, Kirk is, that transfers are, are a part of the game with the portal, but the timing. And I think we, we all agree, and uh, Iowa fans, you know, the, maybe the level-headed Iowa fans <laughs> agree that the timing is just weird. But he made the choice, and, uh, you know, good luck to him. And I think, I think you know, if he keeps it up, he's going to be playing on Sundays. Now, is he going to be a number one overall pick? Probably not, but... Third, fourth round. I'm, did, I'm not did a guru. Just see the New England Patriots in the sixth <laughs> round taking Chuck Sizzle and uh, becomes the next Julian Edelman. Exactly. Kind of I think it was as simple as he went through spring practices, saw Spencer Petrus, Alex Padilla, Joe Labus, the offense as it was, and came to the conclusion that no matter who the quarterback was, no matter what changes, so to speak, were made. He wasn't going to be in the position that he wanted to be. And remember, this is a kid that walked on at Iowa, left a scholarship from a MAC football program because he wanted to be a Big Ten player, Right. accomplished that goal. But he didn't want to be the special teams return man player of the year, whatever the name of the award is. He wants to be a wide receiver in the NFL. So he bet on himself again right. by going to Purdue. And, of course, he benefits from having great chemistry with Aiden O'Connell. Would he be doing some of the stuff if, if he didn't have that report? with the quarterback. I don't know. But I was a little taken back on Tuesday when Kirk Ferentz said, well, we, were, we don't really know what Charlie Jones would have been like if he would have stayed at Iowa because they saw growth out of him in the spring. No. We know exactly what Charlie Jones would look like right. at, at Iowa. He looks like a different player at Purdue, and good for him. This is the Before the Boom podcast from KGYM. We'll dive into the rest of the Big Ten games coming up here in just a bit. Uh, Kirk Ferentz also talking about, uh, and he was asked about this, recruiting and retaining wide receivers. This is an interesting clip, Todd. I know you guys, uh, you and Alex, talked about this on your show uh, earlier this week. Uh, A a good question posed by a friend of uh, the station, John Steppe, about Recruiting and retaining receivers when receivers who you're trying to bring into this program see Charlie Jones, who left this program, going and doing big things at Purdue. Here's the clip. How do you recruit and retain wide receivers when they can look at what Charlie Jones did, 21 catches all of last year, 14 games, and then takes off in a different program? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll never know what would have happened if he was here. Uh, we saw him make great improvement, I thought, this spring. So we were really excited about that. And then you know, he's not here. So there's not much you can say about that. So when you see his numbers, though, do you ever say to yourself, maybe we should have used him more? Is that easy to say in hindsight? Well, I would argue he's a much better player now than he was. I thought he's much better at the end of spring practice okay. as a receiver. He's been a you know upper echelon return guy. He's you know been really good. Obviously, that was very evident. You know, going back to early 2020. Uh, but I think he's really progressed as a receiver. And I'm not saying he's a bad receiver then, but he's a much better one. It was much better in uh, in April. Your thoughts on Kirk's comments? I, it, it, he didn't say anything too earth-shattering, but at the same time, he said, "You know, this is—he's not here. He's not part of our team, uh, and uh, that's—you know—that—that's uh, that's part of—that's part of college football life right now, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and it's going to become more, like we talked about. And you know, it's interesting because talking about recruitment of wide receivers, it, and I've. You know, I've been around Iowa high school football for 30-some years. And if there is one position that is probably – well, it, it's not probably. It's not as good as the others. It's the wide receiver position around here. And two of the best over the last, you know, 20 years didn't go to Iowa. Adrian Arrington went to Michigan. Mm. Oliver Martin ended up at Iowa for a cup of coffee. Uh, now at Nebraska, went to Michigan as well. Uh, that's always been a problem area for recruitment right. as far as this uh, this Iowa program is concerned. And you can even go back to, to, the, uh, to, the, to the Friars, I think, with that. But um, So it's, you are always going to have that. Did, does this help? No, absolutely not. Um, but, you know, it's kind of been that way for a, for a long, 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 long time. It's not the first time that... Um Iowa's lost receivers. Uh, Charlie Jones and, and Tyrone Tracy Jr. are just the two of the latest. Desmond Hudson uh, was caught two touchdown passes for Northern Iowa yep. Yep. Uh, last week. And uh, my recollection isn't really good, but I know there are others that have left and found some success at other schools. And I hasten to say it's not going to get any better. I can see a couple of receivers on this team that may pursue what they believe are greener pastures. That's the world we live in. Todd, any thoughts on Kirk's comments there? No, other than the fact that I think, again, you can read between the lines. He wasn't very happy with the timing of it. I don't I don't think there was, a, you know, greener pastures. Uh, I don't think uh, that's necessarily the cause here, but I was going to run into this more and more because the money is is – prevalent in college football and you are going to start to see guys transferring for reasons of nil and and more money and and not necessarily just better opportunities to play on the field but i'm really fascinated to see what happens on saturday because it, it you're going up against a guy that you you were friends with that you liked but man what they said publicly and what they said privately on tuesday I would not want to be in Charlie Jones's shoes on Saturday. I will leave it at that. <laughs> 
We'll uh, get our predictions here coming up in just a bit. We'll get you the weather report, at least what we're seeing here as we record on Thursday for the Before the Boob podcast. But uh, soggy and windy, the two weather words we'll use for that. But uh, first, we'll tell you, remind you that our podcast each week brought to you by Edith Lucille's Bait Shack and Wing Depot, a hidden treasure on the banks of Squaw Creek. They've got down-home meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, a Friday night special of seasoned prime rib. It's been smoking all day long, or you could try their Saturday night special, which is smoked barbecue brisket for great food and hospitality in a rustic, family-friendly atmosphere. Come to Edith Lucille's Bait Shack and Wing Depot. Carry-out available for you, too. You can find their menu at baitshackfun.com. Uh, the weather impacting this, uh, this, if you're looking at things from a betting perspective, the total was uh, was in the 40s to start the week. Now we're down to 39 as of uh, as of Thursday afternoon. Purdue still a four and a half point favorite, courtesy of our friends at Circa. Rest of the Big Ten guys, poor Northwestern. They get to take on Ohio State this week. The Buckeyes a 38 point favorite as they head to Ryan Field for action uh, on uh, on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. kickoff on ABC. ABC. Enjoy <laughs> ABC. Enjoy <laughs> Middle America. <laughs> Ohio State beating Northwestern. I would take uh, take the Buckeyes in the over if I was betting on that one. Uh, the Bits of Broken Chair Trophy up for grabs uh, in Lincoln as uh, the Huskers take on uh, the Gophers. Minnesota favored by 16 there. Badgers back from their bye week. They're in Madison taking on the Terps of Maryland, Wisconsin. A five-point home favorite there. Illinois taking on Michigan State. Of course, Michigan State clouded with uh, the, the tunnel incident at uh, at Michigan last week. As of today, eight guys suspended. Uh, still possible criminal charges. We could spend another half hour on that incident alone. But the Illini, a 17-point favorite there. Indiana, a two, or excuse me, Indiana, a two touchdown underdog to Penn State at home, and then uh, Michigan left just outside the college football playoff top top four with the first rankings earlier this week. I said poor Northwestern. I'll say poor Rutgers too. Michigan has some motivation this week. The Wolverines, a twenty-five and a half point favorite, heading uh, to uh, Piscataway. What what stands out, guys, for uh, Big Ten slate this week? Anything? The game we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Iowa Purdue, no question about it. Wisconsin and Maryland is kind of interesting. Um can Maryland give them a game? I don't the, know who's quarterbacking. Right. Does Talia Tagovailoa play? Right. I think that's the big question. I think Maryland can Maryland could win that one. I think yeah. they can too. Um a lot of chatter in Badger circles as to uh you know, the the audition tape, quote unquote, for Jim Leonard. Uh, it seems like he's got that job locked up. And then the Badger administration, Wisconsin administration, wants him to get that job. I, I have a good feeling about that. But you lose to Maryland, you lose to Minnesota down the stretch here, um, I don't know. But I think uh, I think he'll be given uh, all the shot in the world to, uh, to get that done. Illinois, I think, uh, regardless of the suspension status for Michigan State, I think they're going to win that one pretty pretty soundly. I think Minnesota's going to roll Nebraska. Nebraska can't stop the run. I think Mo Ibrahim has a another uh, another big day there. And Ohio State's going to roll. I think Penn State rolls, and I think Michigan rolls too. I want to see what Illinois does against Michigan State because we've seen teams in this spot before where as each passing week goes by, the pressure ratchets up. Mm. And they're talking <clears throat> about a Big Ten West championship in Champaign now. And this is uh, this is an area that Illinois has not been in in quite some time. So, with each passing week, the pressure is going to get 
harder and harder. You have an opportunity to maybe, I don't want to say they would look past a Michigan State, but you start to read your own press clippings. I want to see how Brett Bielema handles that this weekend. But I agree with you. They should win that game. They should win it handily. I think Michigan State's a mess right now. Mm-hmm. But as each week passes, if Illinois continues to win games, somewhere along the line, maybe they slip up. But I don't think it's going to be this week. They've got Purdue next week. So Huge. P- Purdue needs a win here to keep their Big Ten uh, West hopes alive and set up that de facto Big Ten West elimination game next week. Uh, uh, where, where is that game? That game That's is in Champaign. in Champaign. Yes, it is. So that's uh, that's going to be a big one, but we've got to get through this week first. Mark, any thoughts on the Big Ten slate? No, I, I, again, I point to that Wisconsin-Maryland game, yep. and and uh, um, I don't know about it. Illinois is not going to look ahead to that game against Purdue, is it? I wouldn't think. No. No. Um, I don't think this Illinois team. I think they're pretty pretty focused. Yeah. Pretty focused. But Todd's right. I mean, the, you know, people, I, I, ESPN Radio, heck, uh, the national shows we carry here on uh, KGYM, they were talking about Illinois. <laughs> uh, dark horse team. Oh, what's what's one team down in the CFP rankings that you think can uh, you think can make some noise? And Illinois' names getting po- uh, brought up now until they, December third. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they still have to play Michigan in the regular season. They've got Purdue coming up, so who knows what'll happen there? But uh, uh, I. Iowa, Purdue, Wisconsin, Maryland—I think are the two best games of the weekend if you look at it. But we'll uh, we'll convene next week, take a look at what happened. But guys, before we uh, get out of here, you got to get your uh, your thoughts. Uh, the wind, the rain—sounds like it's going to happen in Purdue at least for a good chunk of the day. Does that impact your prediction? What what happens for the Hawkeyes and Boilermakers this weekend? Impacts my prediction. I mean, if it's going to be an ugly weather day and. Uh, uh, our guy in Vegas, we used to talk about. We used to, we always used to say, "Hey, rain." Well, he said, "I don't care about rain. <laughs> wind, wind is the big factor." And I think Iowa wins this thing if the forecast holds. I'm going to be seventeen, fourteen, Iowa. If it's a bad day. I think the wind direction is uh, important too. If it's going end zone to end zone. That's not going to have as much impact as if it's blowing across the field. For the kicking game, the passing game, what have you, I got this Iowa 6-4. Sicko's game of the week again. Thank you, Mr. Halas. You know, normally, I, I mean, the wind is going to be a, a factor. South winds 20-28, to 28, gusts as high as 48. But so the rain is also going to be a factor here because there aren't too many places in the Big Ten that still have natural turf. Ross-Aid Stadium is one of them. Mm. So you, uh, you always look at the horse track and find out which horses are the mudders. We're going to find out who the mudders are for Purdue and Iowa. But they on, they will tell Saturday. you their turf will not break down because they are a great turf school. So Iowa State says the exact same <laughs> thing. They haven't won a Big Twelve game yet this season. I you know the battle for Tippecanoe was fought. Near West Lafayette <laughs> in eighteen eleven, and I think there could be a, an eighteen eleven type. Oh man, uh, I'm not going that deep into the weeds. <laughs> I said at the beginning of the week, nineteen seventeen. I think the best bet here is to take Iowa on the four four and a half points. What do we can get here? Because I do think Iowa can win this game. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be low scoring. I said nineteen seventeen earlier in the week before the forecast kind of solidified. I wouldn't be surprised if it was less than nineteen seventeen, like. Uh, 
nah, I'm not going six four <laughs> Penn State uh, two thousand five or whatever exactly. that was. But yeah, I you know nineteen seventeen. I don't ask me who wins. Okay. Don't all ask right. me who wins. If Iowa plays a clean game, yeah, they can win this game. It's all about for who plays a clean game for me. Uh, I've the weather. I think definitely changes at least the score in my prediction. I I've said this before. For me, you need to prove that you can beat somebody, and until you do, I'm going to pick against you. Uh, is that a preview for next week in the Wisconsin game? It might be. Uh, <laughs> for this game, boy. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I said I think Purdue is going to win the game, so I'll take Purdue 14-10. Uh, I think if Iowa plays a clean game, uh, they could shut down any passing attack with, with aid of the weather, and they can bottle up Devin Mockaby, uh, a fine freshman running back that Purdue's had to turn to since King Doru's been hurt most of the year. They think I absolutely have a chance. Uh, I just They haven't been able to, to solve Purdue, and I, I don't think it's any different. So 14-10. Boilers, the train keeps rolling down the tracks. Sounds like an exciting game to attend in yeah. person. In the pouring rain, and the and wind, and the rain. rain and then just man. then cleanse your palate by watching Tennessee, Georgia after that. <laughs> <laughs> and Bama LSU. Oh, we know who you're rooting for. <laughs> no, I, I had a Georgia. This is for Rusty today. If I had a Georgia shirt, I'd wear it tomorrow for Carlos. So. Hopefully, no Georgia people are watching the podcast. I, I, I would, Carlos, I would wear a Georgia shirt tomorrow if I had one. That's a hint. Bring one to bowling. <laughs> All right, we're to the point we're sending messages across the podcast. So I think it's uh, time for us to, to call, it, uh, call it a wrap here this week, guys. Thanks, as always. We'll talk to you again for uh, the Wisconsin game. Oh, boy, I'm going to have some fun with this next week. It's the Before the Moon podcast here uh, from KGYM. KGYM Sports Radio brings you the best in Iowa football pregame programming with the Before the Boom podcast. Listen to the podcast each week before Iowa takes the field. Available on the KGYN app or wherever you get your podcasts.